play them cards, Fancy Dan. Can't no one compel another man to engage in recreation. Certainly not a son of a gun as ill-humored as yourself. And as for names, my horse is Dan. I'm Buster. Buster Scruggs. Buster Scruggs? You run from Riata Pass? And this pistol. I do hail from Riata Pass, which is in the county of San Saba. Being the which why the San Saba songbird is my sobriquet of preference. But right now, I'd appreciate it if you'd deposit your weapon in the receptacle by the swinging doors, which concealing of it on your person in the first place was a violation of the rules of this establishment and an offense against local norms. All right, Michael. It is time for positivity here. Um, we are recording this the day before Thanksgiving, so we're gonna we're gonna embrace this you know positive giving thanks, and uh, we're gonna give thanks to Netflix here. And you know we're tough. It, it is tough for us because <laughs> we this is a fairly new podcast. We've got what twenty twenty five episodes in maybe, and there's some serious negativity, especially when it comes to Netflix because of Marvel movies things of that nature. But we want to just put our arms around old Netflix there and, and give thanks to. What the positive aspects are, right? So, like, I mean, that could go a million different ways, but that's what we're talking about today. So, well, from specifically a movie lover's point of view, because I think if you're a TV fan, you probably don't have any issues with Netflix. If you like serialized okay. storytelling, I think it's the cinephiles that are maybe lamenting the the glory days of Netflix. Yeah. So already we're starting off with this elitist sort of uh, position of <laughs> no, yours. No, I just, uh, you know, if we were doing a TV podcast, uh, and I don't listen to many because you and I are not huge TV fans. I think there's a few series that I've like. I got big into Mad Men. I don't think I'm watching anything currently. So I think this Game is Game of Thrones. Maybe do you watch Game of Thrones? No, gave up on that. I think season two, just not into it. So yeah, I don't think anything. I'm watching like Office reruns on Netflix. How about oh, that? Oh God, that's fine. You're as bad as Barry is. My, my co-host on the True Romance Film Podcast doing nothing but watching Friends for the 75th time in a row. Never been a big fan of Friends. They came out in my childhood, and I, I never got it, and I don't, want, I don't want to revisit that. I don't even want to get it in my old age. But I just wanted to point that out because I do think that people that just want you know, a new sitcom to watch or maybe even an old one like Friends, uh, Netflix, very economical way to consume all that content. But... I think on a previous episode when we were negative, so we are going to make this positive. Positive, uh, positive, positive. You were you were talking about like, you know, one of those like classic movie lists, and the percentage that's on Netflix, not so much. So not great. Nope. That's the challenge for our Thanksgiving episode is to look at I the positive that, bent. So I'm going to tell you about sort of this is a podcast about movie podcasts. So I really did. I actually did more research on this episode than I have in the past. Um, I actually spent about four or five minutes total <laughs> Ever. doing my research so, here. A new yeah. record. New record, new record. Uh, it coincides with my sex life. This is a new four or five minute record. Not um, bad. No, not bad at all. Um, get in, get out, get to Matlock. And uh, <laughs> so, I, I I initially on first view of Netflix and my thoughts of Netflix was they're producing stuff for the masses, right? Stuff that is not too highbrow, not too lowbrow, but sort of in the middle, right? There's a lot of uh, big fanfare content. And I think that is like you're talking about the bingeable TV shows, but none of them are, are great. Some of them are pretty good, but I don't think you have to be pretty good for today's audience. Right. So that's where I kind of started. And then I kind of started burrowing down uh, these, 
what's the best Netflix original content um, list of October 2018. Basically, they had 135 movies on this list. Jesus. Yeah. That's a best and of list? The top 25, I think I'd only heard of three of them. <laughs> okay. Netflix has been actually putting out a lot of pretty decent independent con- uh, content or at least, you know, purchasing and, and putting it out under that banner. Sure. And a lot of it is foreign. A lot of it is Spanish. A lot of it is from all over the world. And I'm, I just found myself during my research hitting that little check button, the plus button, over and over and over. It's like, man, I, I want to check this out. You know, because like you were saying earlier, our elitist selves, we are cinephiles. So we're going to check this kind of stuff out. And I was very, very surprised to find that. I mean, have you found these, uh, these kind of pieces of content that Netflix is putting out kind of under the radar. They're not the big splash page stuff. Cause I had never heard of any of this. Yeah, I think that's true. Let me, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me just pull up my, uh, Netflix queue, which unfortunately probably with most people, uh, and maybe what you're going to find with this list that you've added on a lot of things get put into the queue and then I completely forget about them. <laughs> so it may, oh, you know, yeah. Same may here. be years that, uh, go past. So I've got, um, See that an Orson Welles sort of, I guess, retrospective documentary. I knew so that's on my queue, but I don't think I'll ever watch it. So let's be honest. So that, I, I'm, it's not my bag. It feels like a, you know, how there's cash grabs. Like you make the pro- Marvel property, or make the It property, or you make the whatever property, the Harry Potter property. There's a built-in audience for that. To me, that's the cash grab for the cinephile audience, right? Look at Orson Welles. He had all this junk laying in his attic, and we put it together. We stitched it together and try to make something <laughs> cognizant. I. I well, you're talking about the film. I don't really have much interest itself, in that. Yes. I'm talking about the, the documentary I have way more interest in than the film where it was unfinished. I think that's more of a curiosity. But, you know, a documentary on the man, like his failed attempts to make it. It's kind of sort of like the Terry Gilliam one with uh, Depp, the Don Quixote movie that he tried to do years ago. Uh, the documentary that came out of that was really interesting. That's what I've heard. I've heard yeah. that's really good. Of course, uh, I can't find it. So I've got uh, I've got that on there. The uh, of course the new Coen Brothers movie that we're going to be talking about for this episode. Sort of the, the of reason course, for it. That's online. Uh, the Kindergarten Teacher with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, which never heard of it. Uh, see, that's the thing. I think that's the lament for most uh, movie fans. Stay positive. Netflix. I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to stay positive <laughs> with that surprise aspect of it. Like the, if you actually, as you said, burrow down and start looking. There's a lot of good stuff here. I've heard, I've heard good things about Set It Up from other movie podcasts, rom I added that on my list they today. Did. Like okay. I, I, I had no idea this existed, and it's the guy that we really liked from uh, Everybody Wants Some. It, 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 he's the main lead. And I'm like, oh, that guy was charming and everybody oh, wants Oh, Glenn some. Powell. Yeah. Yeah, it's Glenn Powell. I'm like, okay, man, let's jump on this. How did I not know that there's a J- Glenn Powell rom-com where a rom-com is right where that guy's wheels house probably will be? Okay, so let me be negative just a little bit here. So what what we're establishing is is not so much the content that they're providing, but there's probably a lot of really quirky, cool features that would never make it to our city. Certainly not your <laughs> your city right now. They would never no. be screened no. in a theater. Me in Lexington, Kentucky, I'm not going to see Maggie Gyllenhaal and the kindergarten teacher. I doubt it. Uh, set it up. Probably not happening. So the issue is not so much what they're acquiring, what they're producing. Uh, I think for film fans, the issue is that – they don't push this out as much as they should. They don't, it's almost like they just expect you to already be in the app, just scrolling around trying to find something as opposed to putting that big marketing push behind, Hey, we have a cool rom-com you should watch. Like obviously something like Mudbound gets a big push, but it seems like they only push like the right. one, one big thing that they want to get awards. And then there's some other more mainstream fare 
that, if, you know, if they've marketed it to me, like, I'm like you. I don't know what the kindergarten teacher is, but I read the premise. You know Maggie Gyllenhaal, so. Read the premise. I'm like, okay, it sounds like an independent film that if I even saw one trailer from, like, Fox Searchlight or Sony Pictures Classic in the summer, I would mark it down. I'd be like, okay, make a point when that comes to VOD, see it. Netflix movies, though, and I have to be honest, and people may turn off the podcast right now. This is probably a moment in my life where I'm the least informed about what's coming because this summer I just tapped out. Movie podcasting, Yeah, well, you, you moved into a new house. You were moving. and You had yeah. a lot of life. Things were the same for me. This is – I agree with you. I'm in the same position as you. I moved to an entirely different country, and this country plays gar- garbage and in a language that I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so I am completely uninformed. Like the last podcast that we did together, you were over there giving me stuff that would have been right in my wheelhouse – like, oh, you don't know about this stuff? See, that's so bad. You and I are kindred spirits right this here. This is the, the blind leading the blind. So even for this Coen Brothers movie, I didn't even know like until two weeks ago that there was a new Coen Brothers movie <laughs> and definitely didn't know that it was going straight to Netflix. So <laughs> that's the type of film that I think maybe Netflix is trying to prop up the rest of their content. They get like one big acquisition. So they've, you know, they've got the Scorsese movie coming. I'm sure as hell when that comes out, you're going to be aware that they're going to promote that. Sir, on- it's been on my most anticipated list. Uh, every year until it comes <laughs> out, and which I mean, not to segue too far, but that's the podcast that I wanted to brought to the table this week. Okay, is actually talking about like when when we said we're going to be positive about Netflix, I immediately thought The Irishman, Scorsese. I'm actually taking the, his master class right now. My wife bought it for my birthday, a year subscription, a master class. So I'm currently a student of Marty's. So I think I'm more <laughs> well informed than most. I, I didn't know you uh, you had that personal connection, but. And, yeah. and and you're relying on me to tell you to, what to watch. Why don't you rely on good old Marty instead? Well, I'm working on Marty to 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 guide me to make my first feature film. Hopefully, 2019 we'll be uh we'll be talking about the podcast, talking about my movie. But uh, extremely so, meta at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm going all in. I'm the king of navel gazing. If I could lose some weight and see my <laughs> navel again, I'd be the king of navel gazing. But so you know, I think the last episode you brought a podcast on it was pretty big. I forget what it was already. Um, but so, I, I, effective I, outreach we have here <laughs> for the podcast that are going to be featured. Even our own hosts, we don't even remember what we're talking about. So you featured it. I didn't feature. It. I remember the ones I feature. So the one I'm featuring this week is Slash Film. I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's nope. a pretty good, good sized podcast. Um, Decent little up and comer you've got there. Yeah, little up and comer. But we want to make sure they get another million listeners or whatever it is they're getting right these days. <laughs> but they're on a uh, they're. They were reporting and they were talking about Netflix giving Martin Scorsese, as everyone should, $100 million, which I think the the budget has ballooned since then. I think they're like around 120, 110 now. Another thing I want to mention that came out this week is uh, news of Martin Scorsese's newest film called The Irishman. And uh, this is a funny little story because basically <laughs> – uh, apparently, Netflix is willing to uh, pay a hundred million dollars, or I, I think I guess they're financing it for a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is about Jimmy Hoffa's Hitman, and uh, it stars Robert De Niro. It's directed by Martin Scorsese, uh, and it, it's going to go straight to Netflix, and that is crazy. Uh, what's also funny is that the next day, uh, Martin Scorsese criticized. The concept of watching movies at home. 
Uh, he said, does he know clear. what Netflix is? He yeah. said uh, at BFI South Bank, he said, quote, the problem now is that it is everything around the frame that is distracting. Now you can see a uh-huh. film on an iPad. You might be able to push it closer to your face in your bedroom. Just lock the door and look at it if you can. But I do find just glimpsing stuff here or there, even watching a film at home on a big screen TV, there is still stuff around the room. There's a phone that rings. People goes by. It is not the best way, end quote. But the, so, on the other hand, he followed up by saying, a uh, hundred million dollars is nice, <laughs> <laughs> right? Obviously, this is a movie that I'm very, very interested in. With with Scorsese being my favorite director, and then he's getting the gang back together. All the you know, pun intended there. But the funny thing is that Scorsese has been railing hard, and this is what they were talking about. There, he's been railing hard about the death of cinema, and you need to be watching on the big screen. And, and they mentioned one thing that I found hilarious is the day after it's announced that. Netflix was purchasing the 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 Irishman and going to put this up on the uh, you know on their content and I think they're going to show for two weeks on big on the big screen just to get that Oscar push et cetera et cetera. I'm sure not nationwide though. Probably just in select markets. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to save up plane tickets and all that stuff. Maybe (laughs) Kentucky will have it. I'll come visit you again. Get some Joella's chicken, that sort of thing. But the very day after he announced the film being, it was announced that the film was being purchased by Netflix. He went on this rant about about the, mo- the movie should be watched on this and that, and you know, there's too many distractions when you're watching it on your phone or on your thing. He was just, it's just interesting to me, and I think that this is the good part of Netflix. They're getting directors like Jeremy Saunier, Noah Baumbach, Bong Joon Ho, Kerry Fukunaga, to make content, and they're giving them freedom, apparently, and they're giving them good sized budgets. Martin Scorsese wasn't going to get a hundred million dollars from Paramount. I think that the most that they were given was thirty-five or forty. I Especially after Silence. As much as you and I love Silence, That's whatever his movie. budget was, that was a heist. Like <laughs> that was his. <laughs> okay, you've done enough damage here to our to our books. Uh, you don't get a hundred million dollars for The Irishman. Totally understandable. Yeah. yeah. God forbid you made one of the best movies of the year. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I, me and Mike were alone in the theater <laughs> in our respective theaters. You know. Totally engrossed for about three and a half hours because Marty likes to indulge, as I'm learning from his tutelage. But I think that this is where Netflix, I think, is shining. They're they're willing to give small films a chance, like like I'm starting to see by my research. But they're also giving these really exciting filmmakers that I find exciting. I mean, Sonia, you know, he's done Blue uh, Blue Ruin, Green Room, movies that you and I really care, I really loved, and he's giving them a budget. They're giving these guys a budget and. It seems like Netflix is less interested in the bottom line than they are in collecting content. And, well, it's and a nuclear per- arms race, right? For yes. content providers, they are just they are just trying to bulk up, and I, I believe they they own it lock stock, right? Like they they this is when it has the Netflix banner across that little square, that means it's theirs forever. Like they they have oh, all yeah. streaming rights, not going anywhere yep. else. So you definitely understand it from that perspective, and that's to bounce off of our episode we did on Filmstruck, you kind of understand the arms race from Warner Brothers' perspective, where they're going to – and and now since that episode, uh, it's been announced Criterion's going to have its own thing, but – Are you going to shoo me away from that? From Criterion? Uh, As you did from Filmstruck. I Same think, way. You know, I, I kind of respect their honesty because they, they said, hey, it's basically in the interim. We're going to have our own thing, and it, maybe it'll be there you know, for a number of years as a, if you just want the Criterion Collection. But they also said, yes, we will be a part of, and basically Filmstruck will be absolved into whatever Warner's has got coming out the end of next year. 
So it's like they were giving you a heads up. Like, if you want to wait a year, we'll be there too. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's great. But yeah, to go back to Netflix, giving that sort of creative freedom as cinephiles, we should have money. Money is important. <laughs> but this is, this is like sort of the perfect world aspect of it, at least right now. And this, in this, in this buildup for content, really the people that are winning are the consumers because you're getting all these passion projects that are being made. <laughs> and when, when this is settled, maybe then Netflix just start to look at the books a little more and be like, mm, we're not going to do Irishman two or three. Like we're not, we're not going to double down. We've got our Scorsese sort of like prestige project, but I, I do think there is something like, I agree with you that we should enjoy it while it lasts. I don't know if this will stick around that Netflix will be, you know, a filmmaker's haven, but at least right now they're, you know, Something like from the filmmaker who brought you Green Room, I doubt he's going to get whatever number he wants to open nationwide with his next film. As much as we like it, you have to be realistic. So if he can make exactly what he wants on Netflix, it does kind of suck that it's not coming to a theater near me. But at least I get to see it. I get to see that story he wants to make. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Saunier uh, just came out with them. Um, what was the movie called? It is called. Hold the dark. Totally unaware of this too. I was totally unaware. <laughs> that goes that goes back to my negativity that I I had no idea that he had. I, I remember way back when that his next project was going to go to Netflix, and I even saw some people talking about Hold the Dark, but I had no idea. I oh, that's wanna, it. That's it. That's see, the this one. is where you're hurting my feelings because we did an entire true at the True Romance Film Podcast. We did an episode completely dedicated to Hold the Dark. Well, see, I didn't and, know what the uh, hell that was. I <laughs> the way <laughs> the way. <laughs> And my dog's mad at me. I'm just explaining my idiocy here in this moment that when you did that, you also have sleepaway camp in your run. So I'm like, oh, they must be just doing some old movie I've never heard of. <laughs> Didn't oh click on it. <laughs> yeah, sleepaway camp uh, is a classic. So, well, yeah, that, it's right, the there dark with, is in, right there with Hold the Dark, apparently. In good company. In good company. Cool. A movie I actually liked. I, 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 I don't think it's, it's Lester Sonier, but I really liked it. I liked that he was able to just go and do what he wanted. Um, I, and to be fair, I don't honest. I don't know how much freedom Netflix gives, but these directors keep just jumping in there. You know, you got Noah Baumbach going straight to Netflix uh, with the Meyerowitz stories. That's something that I, I don't know if you know. I I don't know that kind of flabbergasts me quite a bit. Well, it's they're not going to be looking at like, hey, how does the How's the third act play? Are these characters like likable enough? Because they're not pushing ticket sales. If you're click, if you have the ability to click on it, you're already a subscriber. Like uh, basically, just the announcements is all Netflix needs, mm, right? Good point. Yeah. Because they just need you to sign up. Like you hear, like okay, all these cool filmmakers are going there. I'm signed up. I give them my credit card information. It doesn't matter if I tap out. Doesn't. It's not like I'm going to tell someone else like, hey, don't go check that out. Because there's going to be thousands of other film shows on there. So I, yeah. I think. Being a part of this, you know, massive library, it does make them probably a little less special. I'm not knocking your Scorsese one because I think that's one they're really gonna. I think that'll be like their Mudbound uh, that they'll try to hang their hat on whenever whatever season it opens. But um, yeah, with Hold the Dark, I'll I didn't know it'll be better than Mudbound, but whatever. <laughs> I actually like Mudbound. And I, I, I pimped, it's okay. I really pimped out. Uh, you know, you're, you're knocking me for not uh, following your show when you're doing these. Uh, movies I'm totally unaware of, but that Mudbound episode you all did, what, a year or so ago? It's one of the best. One of the best true bromance. You should check that out. But that's really? not my podcast. I, oh, yeah. I, I, the dynamic between your hosts, as far as what you, <laughs> what you all chose to focus on in your Mudbound conversation, 
uh, was not what I was getting from other podcasts. <laughs> so I, you know what, and that's what we strive for over there. You know, I think Hold the Dark opens up with. Uh, well, I'm not even going to go into Hold the Dark because there's some crazy stuff in there, and I don't want to spoil it for you. Maybe, maybe I put you onto something. That, there's a Sonya movie right there. Okay, you know, so ready for you to tap on. I will. I will tap on it right now. Add it to my queue. So the podcast that I'm uh, I'm going to be using is not your show and your great Mudbound episode. Although we should, I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check that out. Uh, is four seasons of film. Have you ever heard of this podcast? Have you ever listened to it? I have not. I have not. Now you're okay, enlightening me. So they're what, not what is quite this? not quite as big as slash filmcasts, but they have a they have a pretty good following <laughs> on uh, on Twitter. And so I've, I've been listening to them for a little bit, and thankfully they provided an episode just yesterday on the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. So it made it easy for me. Didn't have to do too much research, unlike yourself. Uh, but what was amusing was pretty much right out of the gate. I had someone like me of my ilk expressing confusion. Angry? No, not angry. Expressing some confusion about how this project came to be. Do you ever listen to a band, like one of your favorite bands, and they put out a greatest hits record and they have like a couple original songs on it as well with the greatest hits? Sure. That's what I felt about this movie. It was like watching a Coen Brothers greatest hits and I, and I enjoyed it to a, a certain degree, but it felt like... The Coen Brothers 1.5 or something like that. Sure. And I don't know if it got diminished by the Netflix experience, but it certainly didn't feel like it was a fully realized movie. It sort of felt like it was a, a, a couple, you know, original songs on a smaller scale like a Netflix. And I don't know if that was the intention because I remember it was going to be a, a six-part anthology series, right, at one time? Was it going to be a longer thing? When they announced I, it, it first? was always. I read interviews with them recently. I think they always said it was going to be a movie. Um, the but like a bunch of movies. Uh, maybe there was talk, minor, a little talk amongst the how to do it. But the Coen Brothers always said that it was always a. It was always meant to be a movie. The way I uh, I'm misremembering it now is that they decided to do uh, this western called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It was announced in the way I saw it that it was going to be a six part series on netflix and then it almost seemed like at the last minute they didn't tell anybody and they didn't tell netflix or something and they just turned in a movie and went yeah we decided to scrap the six-part thing we just it's a movie here's a movie and i, I hope that that sounds way cooler yeah because <laughs> you know they uh, just they went might. out there and they said ah we made this thing and we we're gonna make it you know this long <laughs> thing for netflix but we just decided to make it one movie because we didn't want to do six See, I yeah, everybody said I listened to the people. Said I got a movie script. <laughs> I listened to the people, and I was so excited because I wanted the six. And after <laughs> seeing the movie, I still want the six because the, all the stories are really good, and I like the stories. Some are underrealized. Some are good short films, short stories. Mm -hmm. But I much rather would seen these six ideas fleshed out as like an episode of something. It sort of expressed. I guess my issues with Netflix, but it was in a much more positive bent. It was that like, oh, this is a pleasant surprise. Like, uh, basically the, the thought process was, and I've not read too much on it, but one of the hosts seemed to think that I think initially this was a like Coen Brothers, like almost TV project where it was going to be serialized. So it was going to be broken up into episodes. Right. That's what I originally heard when the announcement came out. Right. So that sounds more like, okay, I understand why the Coens are taking that to Netflix, right? Because it's, it's not meant to be a feature length film. And with it being an anthology film, when you watch it, you could certainly see it working out that way. Uh, now it's, it still feels like a movie because 
each chapter here, it's not like they're equal length. It's not like each one's like a half hour episode. So some of them be very short. Some are feel more like a film. Uh, and I, I, I liked that sort of look at it because it gives you the pros and the cons of Netflix with this new material that it feels experimental in nature. And like, you understand like, Oh, this is why I could go to Netflix. There's some movies like, and I still, <laughs> I'm a little disagreeable with you on Scorsese. Like I do think when, when someone, Uh-oh. well, it's depressing when someone of his stature, let's say Spielberg's next Spielberg's like next project or whatever is announced. It's going straight to Netflix. Those two Titans, when you're like, Oh damn, they can't get backing for, for many studios for a theatrical run. I look at this Coen brothers movie though. And I totally get it. I totally get like wh- why this would be one that they would set aside for Netflix. And it totally works with the service. It works with that sort of episodic nature. You can pause. Like it doesn't do a disservice to the film to actually step away from it. I don't know it. if this is positive, Michael. Like is it I not don't positive? know. Well, because you're saying I can see why they dialed this down to Netflix. Like why they cast this off to Netflix. Like I can see why it goes down there. If you can't get Scorsese and Spielberg <laughs> and then the Corn Brothers who are probably you know, on the Mount Rushmore of cinephiles, modern day filmmakers, um, I could see why they well, just put this on Netflix instead of going to the movies. I think there's like, a it difference. It's like a backhanded compliment. But Maybe it's a compliment, is. I guess. I, I think positive. there's a difference between like someone like Soderbergh. It would not surprise me at all if he announced five projects coming to Netflix, Amazon, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it feels like more so than the actual like story that he wants to tell. Uh, sometimes it's just about the process and the technique. And he just wants yeah, to try he, a different way to tell a story. Yeah, he's done. Uh, I know he did one that was like completely done on iPhone. I really um, like that, by the way. It was that that was called Unsane, and for like twenty minute stretch, I thought it was complete garbage. And then the next twenty minutes, I thought it was great. And then it'd go twenty minutes back to like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it was a total up and down experience. So you liked the roller coaster ride there? I did. I did. I I enjoyed it for it being like you know kind of like a horror thriller type movie. Okay. So yeah, I'm not trying to talk down to Netflix. I'm just saying. Yeah, if you if you listen to a a podcast and it sounds like someone's just reading their review that they had just written out, to me that's like insulting to the the medium, to the form. Like you you kind of want them to take advantage of this new way to relay information. So I would rather it sound. I, I think you and I agree with this based on the podcast we're producing. Something more conversational sounding. If you got two yes. voices. They're not just two voices ignoring each other, reading their reviews from Letterbox or their blog or whatever. And so with this Netflix, so I watched this movie this morning because I want to be a little bit informed about what I was talking about. other than The Buster Scruggs thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm watching it and I felt like this is a great way to place this project. Whereas unlike, you know, Scorsese's rant after he took the money and ran from Netflix about, you know, having those pauses, having those interruptions, having those distractions, you know, it's very high end, beautiful movie, feels very Coen Brothers like. But I felt like if they had an anthology in their back pocket or sitting in their drawer, a script they'd worked on two decades ago, I like that this is the one they take to Netflix because it feels like they're embracing where this is going to be delivered to, watching on an iPad or a phone with those distractions because it is bite-sized content in a way, in as much as the Coen brothers can make it. It's- is it So I haven't watched it yet, uh, you know, honesty here, but and I'm planning on doing it either today or tomorrow, but – is this a film that you can watch in chunks? Because I feel that that streaming services, watching things on your devices on the go, I tend to eat those in chunks versus 
you know, you go to the theater and you're you're pot committed. You're sitting there for two hours, three hours, whatever it is. It would be very Whereas, expensive if you ch- tapped out after forty minutes. So I'll catch the rest of it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Come exactly. Back and buy a right. Ticket. Yeah. yeah. But is this? It sounds like this film film lends itself because you can get to a, a breaking point. Boop. Step back. Go do the dishes. Go clean your hand yeah. irons, and then come back. I actually don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but I do that on the regular. Uh, yes, you do. For this one, I actually did just watch it all the way through. I just I just clicked on it. But with I just watched Four Rooms recently for another podcast. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's one I did step away from. And the construct of an anthology film that has you know different tones, different setups. And this one, this one actually is more extreme than Four Rooms as far as tonally kind of being all over the place because Four Rooms, for the most part, is I don't know the last time you watched it, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking goofy throughout. I mean, it's you know, it's they're doing their homage to Jerry Lewis, that type of humor that you know has not really aged that well, and that's prevalent in every scene because you have one character, you have the bellhop played by Tim Tim Roth, that's in every story. This one, new characters every time out. You have, you know, I think the opening is if you just saw the first story here, you're going to have a very di- different experience from the last one. Like, it's, it's okay. I mean, they're, they're, they're definitely like different short films that if the Coen brothers, it feels like if they want to, they could have expanded on a few of these into feature length territory. And some of them are very dark. Some of them are like the Big Lebowski, goofy. So, yeah. Where do you I, put the, where do you put Ballad of Buster Scruggs in the, Coen Brothers Uber, like in in their things. I really like it. I'm not saying like one, two, three, four, five. Right. I mean like top, middle, bottom. Uh, well, okay. So for me, like, yeah, I kind of have them. It's probably unfair, but I, I look at something like Raising Arizona as like my favorite comedy of theirs. I slept through that in the theater. That's awful. Like, have you tried like, watching I, it on Netflix or streaming service? Maybe there like was it a better. revival at my local theater when I was living in Tampa about a <laughs> no, year ago. You were terrible. And big crowd. I just took a nap about 30 minutes in. It's just so dull. It's probably my favorite comedy of all time, Raising Arizona. There we are. Love it. There we are. Snow uh, Wedding Crashers. That's pretty good, too. That might be my top ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's up there, man. <laughs> I, you know, the Wedding Crashers thing reminds me of, like, so, or sort of our dynamic, like, just that cutting sort of humor. Like, you say something, the next guy's right on top of mm-hmm. you, ready to just, like, hanging out with your friend. Like, but nothing you, sticks. Your crew back home. It's all, it just all, it's all brushed off. Like you, you yeah. don't even really acknowledge it because you're ready yeah, to get. It's you want to get. It's a jab. You're in or you're out. You want to get your knife out, so you're barely paying attention to the insult that's just been lobbed at you because you've already got one prepared. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I absolutely. love that dynamic. So I've got raising Arizona is like one extreme of humor, and then inside Lewin Davis is like my favorite. I guess you would say more serious, like Coen Brothers Fair. Some people would say like No Country for Old Men. Um, so those those are the two. Uh, as far as like the best blend, I guess Fargo. Would be the one where it's like it's got both like ridiculous comedy yeah. and then the you know the, the serious the drama. dark tones yep. yeah um i would I, I definitely think this one leans goofier right like it's it's a western and it's like it's like something like fargo except you don't have francis mcdormand you just have like the screwball characters like it's like you just have the the thieves right Reminds me of Hail Caesar. What you're describing reminds me of a Hail Caesar. You don't have that central serious figure. You have, or that central kind of grounding figure. You have a very, just a bunch of yahoos doing crazy things. But I do think the fact that it's set and it's like they're sort of commenting on like the Western genre, like sort of the expectations you have. Like, okay, I'm watching a Western. Here are the beats they're going to hit, and they somewhat subvert it. Sometimes they actually just lean into it. 
uh, I think it gives a little more weight than something like Hell Caesar. Like Hell Caesar, I enjoyed, but uh, it's not one I'm gonna I'm gonna put on some sort of like all time Coen Brothers list. So I think people will dig this one more. But it goes back to the anthology aspect that I could see some people liking gravitating toward certain uh, stories or chapters and wanting those to be expounded upon. But I, I like the mix. It's almost like you know, it's almost like a greatest hits album of like unproduced Coen Brothers material. And they just put it, they put it on one sort of like bootleg release. So th this is me being positive about Netflix like grabbing that. Yeah. All I hear from you is this is the in Avengers Infinity War of the Coen Brothers. Just kind of like they Nef Netflix spites. should have marketed that way. <laughs> get those clicks, <laughs> get those subscribes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, I will say I, 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 I think that I'm going to start to try to embrace them a little bit more. I would hope that they do this more often, but in all honesty, I think that these big pieces are part of the the grand scheme of of finding content for everyone. Like, and like just to compare them to Amazon, Amazon to me feels like they went a different route. They went to kind of more prestige pictures up front, you know, establish that library that they own of of. Very, very well done films. I think, I think there's not a, this is not a non starter of a discussion that Amazon's library of the stuff that they've made is head and shoulders above what the others, like the other, the Netflix original movies, as far as craft and, and quality. Well, I mean, also their, gotten... their distribution is way different, right? Where they're, they're yeah. throwing them out there, limited releases, they expand them, they treat them like, you know, and this is <laughs> trying to be positive here, but they treat them like real movies in the sense that, Oh man. <laughs> well, in the sense that, okay, I even have a hard time knowing what's an Amazon movie. Like, you know, other than the fact that like something like Manchester by the sea, that got such a normal release pattern that it was, it's not like it was on Amazon two weeks after they bought it at Sundance, you know, that, that was, right. it went through the normal release cycle. So for better or for worse, uh, and Netflix, I feel like it's, they're trying to, trying to dabble in that. But there's not been a Netflix movie that has gotten that nationwide release where it, it has How was time the Beast to... of No Nation release? Because I'm, I'm pretty positive that that got some theater runtime. It did. Uh, but it did not come my way. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, Manchester by the Sea, eventually I could, I could buy a ticket for two months, you know, during its Oscar run. And that could contribute to it too. Maybe Netflix just hasn't had the one that's gone through the award season where people have gone out. But they also. For better or worse, they race to get that content to you on your home television, your iPad, as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe maybe just Netflix is front loading with bulk, you know, going out and you know, just filling their content library because they know these these uh, what do they call them? These contracts where they 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 pay for like two years to Warner Brothers or wherever there is, and they get more and more expensive, and they know that these competitors are going to make their own services. They're in this race to build their own library. So they're going. They went with the bulk first. Um, you got things like Bright, and they still went for sort of big budget fare. Like you've got Will Smith, Joel Edgerton in a weird cop fairy movie or whatever the hell that was. So like an orc. It's his partner. I didn't. I, have I think to, he's an orc. Yeah, yeah I have to admit I didn't, didn't. I didn't add that one to my queue. That did not get the plus click there. I watched it. It was okay. It it was. Just hang, like it was okay, but by the hair of his chinny chin chin. Mm. So just day one, you're watching there. Bright Will Smith and an orc, but Coen Brothers release this anthology western. 
We're going to pass on that. Is that what I'm getting here? Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to watch. Uh, I mean, it took me about a month to watch Bright. Oh, okay. I'll watch Buster Scrubs within a week. You know, th- there you go. I'm a positive guy. I'm, I'm all over Netflix's. I guarantee you this. When The Irishman comes out, I'll be there front and center in a theater. Give my ticket if possible. If it comes out here in Europe. But uh, I will definitely be there putting it on the biggest screen I own and trying to do the best by Marty. So I'll take up for Netflix here. That my mentor, like- Marty, now my yeah, teacher. Of course. Yeah, you're, you're- – your peer. Well, it's him. My first two classes are uh, the Scorsese filmmaking one, and then I took a Aaron Sorkin writing class. So I'm there, right there. Me a little, and, little me, overkill, really. I'm, I'm going for the fences. I'm, I'd like to make him a good movie. <laughs> it's all about a podcaster. Is there like a uh, Bruckheimer like producing class you can take as well? You're just going to try to be the man of many hats there. Yeah, you know, there's there's a couple of acting and contrasting classes. styles. Admittedly, I'm supposed to put myself in the movie, but there's a couple of acting classes, and they're kind of vastly different. One is from Helen Mirren, and the other one's from Samuel Jackson. I think I'm going to try you, both. I think you got to go Helen Mirren. I think that definitely fits more with your personality. <laughs> At least my physique. No, um, I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see what it gets there. When, you know how I how I manage my rising star. I think the biggest um, lament you get from people like us that like to talk about movies and sort of be in that conversation when we have a damn podcast that's about movie podcasts is the fear that there is all this cool shit and the conversation never reaches that point where it feels like you're kind of in it. Like with that sort of release pattern we're used to of opening weekend, there's always like, you know, there's a big new movie, especially now coming out like every weekend. There's like, it's not like it's just the summer or just Oscar season feels like there's always something to talk about. And I guess that sort of democratization of this content, the Netflix style of just throwing it out there, like we, we acquire it and then it's up for everybody. It's kind of like you, like you, you'll get to Buster Scruggs you know, in a week or so, but you don't, it doesn't feel like you have that tidal wave of film talk with it. And there are certain films that certainly was a Scorsese movie. It's going to deserve that, right? Because if there's a new Scorsese movie, historically, everyone who's into movies that's what you're going to be yeah. talking about that week. Yeah, you. my feed will be filled with Irishman podcasts the day that would drop. The flip side of it, does it make it a more personal experience, though? Because other than the podcasts I listen to, like I watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs this morning. I listened to the podcast. I I have not read any reviews. I've not been on Twitter. I, I You know what I mean? Like this is – I have no idea if people think this is a pile of dog shit or they think it's great. I just know I enjoyed it. It's pretty high rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Good. So, and it's got 147 reviews. So it was, from a critic per- point of view, it was treated like a big release. It's the Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers, I, I know you don't listen to Film Spotting. It's another podcast, big, so I, 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 I don't plug them. Good Lord. I'm, I'm going to have to send you a list of podcasts that have like you know 40 listeners and be like, come on, man. We, you know, we got to promote these guys. Help these guys out. I actually had another podcast pick, but they had like 100 follows on, tw- on Twitter. But they never quite got to the point that I was trying to get to with uh, the Irishman. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe next time. But I've got them on my. I got my eyeball on those guys, and I'll I'll, I'll put them out when 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 uh, they hit the right note that I'm trying to play. But um, with Buster Scruggs, oh, so film spotting, the Coen Brothers win every time they have like a voting little thing, you know, and they have so many listeners. There's a lot of people vote, a lot of people participate. Coen Brothers are. It when it comes to cinephiles, modern cinephiles, you know, forget about going back to Orson Welles and all this, right. you know, whatever crap. It's the Coen Brothers, and I think that 
they're the anomaly when it comes to how much press coverage gets. Like, if, so obviously, Rotten Tomatoes has become sort of our go-to aggregate um, within for people who want to see movies. It, on, on the front page of Rotten Tomatoes, you, I, I, like, I went to the page today. I'm looking at it right now. It says movies opening this week. That's the first big column, and of course, opening in a theater. Uh, then there is um, top DVD and streaming movies. And it's got old movies like Crazy Rich Asians, number one, most popular on TV, coming soon to theaters, top box office, new TV tonight. None of it is on the front page. Buster Scruggs is a Coen Brothers movie that's not front and center, even on Rotten Tomatoes, even though it was reviewed 147 times by Rotten Tomatoes uh, super critics or whatever you want to call them. So that, I mean, that's, I don't know why that is. That sucks. Like if you if you really like this movie, you, you want it to be you want it to feel important if you're a fan of it. But on well, the other hand, at least want to be notified that hey, this good movie exists and well, it's on Netflix. That's the flip side, though. Like it feels like you're you know you're just having your own little private screening ahead of all the noise. And so when I watched it today, I'm just I, I have nothing preconceived about it. I just know it's Coen Brothers and it's a western. I know there's not been like a backlash or a backlash to the backlash. So that that's my big positive with the Netflix model for as many problems I have with it is it does just sort of give that power to just click play and just, just see what you think. If this is the model that they're going to stay with, then you're going to get that fresh experience. But you've got to know it's there to click play. That's like the, you, that's the, yeah, that that's is the, that's rub. the rub. Yeah. Yeah. And because I, I agree with you, I really like, I'm, I'm not one of those dudes that brings a brown paper bag to the theater and puts it over his head when the, the trailers are playing. You know, I, I watch in the, the earbuds and yeah, I just go complete blackout. You know, it's like I just got stolen from a cartel and I'm being taken to the lairs. I have to admit, I've done that a couple times, but it's only when I've been made. Hold aware. on, hold on, hold on a second. You put a bag over your head? No, I'll put the I'll put the the, the AirPods back in and click AirPods. Play. Look at Mr. Rich guy, dude. They're really nice. Like, you know, if you got an iPhone, you, you have to have AirPods at this point. They've been out for two years. How much does a, a pair of AirPods cost? $150, $160. How do you charge those things? In the little carrying case. Like you put them back in the little case, put the case in your pocket, the case charges them. Then you, you charge the case like once a week, if that. I don't know, once every two weeks. That's $149, man. Those things are very small. It looks like I'd lose them in my couch, a roll of fat. I've never, you know, I've never. Under my they've never rest, fallen I'd out. probably lose it. Never fallen out of my ear. If you could use the old wired apple earbuds that came with your phone that's the same exact fit so if those never got pulled out unless someone pulled the wire they never just popped out of your ear they're good anyway the point of this with the trailer <laughs> i was just fascinated by your by your opulent wealth opulent wealth like <laughs> i'm just, I'm, just I'm, I'm still working on getting the uh the the boom mic thing you've got that must be something you and yeah, I know scorsese worked on in class well marty uh, directed me to this actually very uh very financially uh, secure thing here. It was like $12 that I got here. Nice. So, Marty, thank you. <laughs> the only time I put it in is when I'm made aware in advance. Uh, I think it happened recently with the like the girl in the uh, spider's web, which I still haven't seen. Okay. Um, they had a uh, trailer for it that I thought was the trailer. Apparently, it was just a teaser. It was like, the, like, like an opening scene where she's like attacking some scumbag man. And that's it. It's like they like a lot of one like Stars Born did that, American Sniper, like those great trailers where it's basically just a scene. Tell you the title. Here's when it's coming out. Okay. Oh, apparently, like on Twitter, I just happened to stumble across like, hey, that trailer was great, uh, but the full trailer like reveals everything. <laughs> and so, with that in mind, 
here comes a new girl in the spider's web trailer and it's not the one that I like. So I put in the AirPods cause I'm like, Oh, I've already been told this ruins the movie. So I'm not just going in like that. That could have accidentally happened to me. I'm not going to be a total freak in my like soundless chamber. <laughs> and then I so open maybe it. A, the, 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 the takeaway here is that we should give, as we're staying positive, we should give Netflix positive criticism is maybe do a better job of advertising, like selling us on this thing without ruining the, the, the movie. Because you and I both like to go into things fresh. It sounds like here. I do like to kind of, I just want to be sold on the film without having to watch the, uh, like the entire movie through the trailer. Right. I want to kind of, well, you're paying the, the money. Surprises. You're paying yeah. the money for Scorsese's name, Coen brothers name. For that movie lovers, that, that's it. For these cases, it should be sufficient. But what about the ones that I discovered today during research? I know nothing about. I had to go to like the Variety's website right. and the 135 things and have them ranked. And I think number one was Okja, which well, probably should have been around 135. Look, but that's either here nor there. As podcast fans, I've heard a fuck enough about mattresses or Audible or HelloFresh, like food delivery services. Maybe you know, throw a nickel. At slash film or whatever, whatever they're charging for, which they advertise all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I'm a diehard listener, <laughs> and just you know, put on some movie podcasts. Just, just the hey, Coen Brothers coming on this day. Try the ones that we were were advertising, man. Yes, uh, not slash film. I guess is that what you're saying? Not. I right. think they're good, but uh, four seasons of film, the True Romance Film Podcast, and uh, Sober Cinema, of course, because it's so topical. Yes. If you want to see a man being neutered one episode at a time. <laughs> that is such a weird sober cinema. <laughs> that's a weird way to promote my podcast. But it is also true. Self neutery, of course. <laughs> you know, nobody's hurting the poor guy. So I think we did all right. Being thankful for Netflix for yes. Thanksgiving. Yes. You've yeah. got something to watch. I've got this hold the dark thing and then I can check out your podcast and see how you uh, butchered the content. Or maybe it'll be like, you know, your Mudbound episode, which was great. Great I, you know, I, I, I'm, I have a lot of stuff to do to prep for tomorrow's Thanksgiving feast that I'm hosting here in Germany. And uh, I'm, I think I'm going to listen to myself on my mud bound because I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm interested. I, I feel like I've done my job as the co-host on this, not, but I've not got you to listen to the podcast that I brought, the official one that I want our listeners <laughs> to check out. I've only convinced you to listen to a conversation you had a year ago and presumably yes. edited. Okay. Good enough. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> On that note, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Locked up in a cupboard, hidden from a lover. You're sweating neath the covers of some other woman's arms in the leaves. Flash like sparks in the headlight. Give her my shoulder, tell her it's alright. Keep her mind from wandering somewhere else. And end up doing nothing. The cat smoking Marlboro lights at the back of the truck But a hopeful escape for what was left of my pride I said to her, let's just go inside Your mama's messed up uh, I found it kind of uneven uh, You know, there were, there were some things that I really didn't like about it 
um, in particular the opening. Uh, this movie opens with uh, uh, two of our main characters kind of digging a grave, and it really feels like it drags on for me. Uh, I felt like it was also kind of poorly lit, um, and maybe that's partly on me because I was watching this on my iPad because, I mean, it's a Netflix movie. I mean, come on, let's, you know. Um, you got to slide a little brightness slider up. Yeah, buddy. I got to do something. But, I mean, I was kind of having a hard time just kind of seeing the characters, uh, what was going on. But uh, I, I honestly I honestly kind of found myself um, uh, hoping that they were going to toss me into that grave in the opening 15 minutes of this. But uh, it gets better after that. <laughs> it gets better after that. And, um, you, you know, there were things that I liked. And I, I guess the biggest takeaway for me, I'll just kind of say really quickly, was... Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything with uh, Mr. Garrett Hedlund in it. Is that how you say it? Hedlund? Hedlund? Yeah, he was in uh, uh, the Tron movie from a few years I've ago. I've not seen Tron. He was. I noticed he was in Troy. I saw that he was in Troy, and i seen Unbroken. Troy, but I don't really have any really memory of, of Troy. Um, but he's, he's a star. Like, I mean, the guy legit has that it thing. Garrett like, Hedlund. Just, yeah. Uh, for okay. me. I just thought he he shined like a diamond. Like I was just I was so oh boy so willing and glad when he was back on screen. Um, and whenever we would find ourselves without uh, without him, uh, I uh, I was kind of pining for him to come back. 